You turn with me this morning in your Bible to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. I must confess whether I would um, return again to Philippians 4 so soon in the month of January. Uh, I am anxious to finish the expository studies in this book, but I had another passage in mind. And um, as I prayed and waited in the Lord and allowed things to toss around in my mind, I, I settled again in Philippians chapter 4. So let's read from Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read together the first nine verses. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things, those things which you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. And my theme today is pastorally dealing with disunity in the church. Now remember the Apostle Paul is in Rome. He's a prisoner there for preaching the gospel. He's under house arrest. In fact, he's under a death sentence. The executioner could come to his cell at any moment and take off his earthly life. The church at Philippi, a church which the Apostle Paul under God founded, out of love for him and concern, sent Epaphroditus and Timothy to Rome. While in Rome, Epaphroditus, remember, fell ill. He was nigh unto death. And when he recovered, the Apostle Paul sent him back. And he sent him back, remember, with a handwritten letter to encourage the saints at Philippi. He wanted them to make progress in the Christian life. He wanted them to understand the gospel. He knew that that church faced many dangers. He knew that there was enemies there attempting to rob them of their joy in the Lord. Remember, that's the overall theme of Philippians. Be joyful or rejoice in the Lord. And now as he comes to the end of that letter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he, he writes to them and he makes a number of general exhortations. 
And last Lord's Day, we looked at the first one, the exhortation to stand fast in the Lord. Now look at chapter 4, verse 2. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Here's an exhortation to two members to deal with the disagreement, the division that's between them, because it's bringing disunity into the church, and thereby it's affecting the spread of the gospel. Now, I want us to think how the Apostle Paul, from his prison cell in Rome, pastorally dealt with this disagreement, this division, this disunity of the church. Remember the Apostle Paul, even though he was a great man, a brilliant thinker and theologian, a pastor of many churches, a, a colossal of the faith, a, a defender of true uh, biblical righteousness. Yet this great man in the prison cell under sentence of death wasn't thinking about himself, thinking about the church. And this great man of God, out of his love, and out of his concern for the church at Philippi, and out of a pastor's heart for the people, wrote this general exhortation in particular to these two members. Now, as I thought of this, there was two or three things came to mind. First of all, see the issue that is addressed. I beseech Eodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. You see, he's addressing an issue that is specific to the church at Philippi. Two members of the church are not of the same mind. That is, there's a disagreement among them. They're divided in their thinking. Now, I don't believe the issue is overstated. I believe that this issue, this disagreement, this division in their mind has caused a spurt of conflict, not only between the two individuals, but it's affecting the church. These two individuals were not getting on well. They were not loving each other as they ought. They were not praying for each other as they ought. They were not working together as each other ought. And the, the whole of the church at Philippi is affected. Now, as you think of this issue that's addressed, I want you to think of this that the problems in the church are not new. The church of the first century, we, we sometimes think about it through rose-tinted glasses. We, we think of a church in revival, souls being saved, people coming together in the name of Christ, a New Testament assembly is formed, the, the Spirit of God is at work. And you would expect in that context that there's not going to be any problems and in fact, the opposite is true. Because where you have got people, you have problems. And the New Testament reveals many problems in a number of those New Testament churches. Problems that were theological, problems that were moral, problems that were spiritual, problems that were material. Think of Acts 6. And problems that were personal. You see, there will always will be problems in the church till the Lord Jesus comes. In power and glory. And it's important, I believe, that we in this church realize that this morning. While we're saved by the grace of God and declared in a real sense to be saints of the Lord, 
Let's remember that we're still sinners. We're imperfect. And we'll never be perfect this side of eternity. And therefore issues will arrive. Differences will come. Difficulties will appear. And there will be disagreements. And we must never allow those disagreements to become so divisive that they affect the disunity of the church. And that's important. And here's Paul, and he's writing to this church, and he's exhorting these two members to put their differences to the one side. He's asking them to deal with their disagreement and their division. You see, in the life and witness of any church, difficulties will arise. Believers will fall out. Tensions will appear. Words will be spoken. Relationships will be strained. And sometimes those words can be harsh. They can be unkind. They can be cold. They can be unloving. And remember that the tongue, even though it's a little member, it can do great damage. It could start a great fire like a spark. could start a fire in a forest. That's what James deals with. And when the tongue starts to spew out gossip, or tell lies, or manifest a spirit of jealousy, or self-love, or discord, or division, not speaking one to another, not praying one for another. You see, that disagreement leads to a spirit of division. And that spirit of division then leads on to another step, to, to disunity, where the church is not worshipping together. It's not getting on. And that's the issue that's addressed here. Paul realizes that this personal disagreement that leads to division, that leads to disunity, is a great danger in the life and witness of the church. And I believe it was such a serious issue that the apostle Paul had to personally himself address it from his prison cell in Rome. So, so there's the issue that's addressed. It's a personal disagreement between two members. Okay? It's not theological. It's not moral. Uh, while it has spiritual implications, it's a personal disagreement. I want you to think also of the, the individuals that are announced. Notice what he says, I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. In raising this problem, the Apostle Paul mentions the two people involved, Eudeus and Syntyche. They're at the heart of it. Notice the word beseech. The word beseech is a strong word. They're being exhorted. They're being implored. He is passionately telling them with a pastor's heart, to put away this divisive spirit. Now, I want you to notice that both are singled out. He mentions both in the very same uh, text. I want you to notice something else, that both are saved. Did you know that Eodius means fragrant? Syntyche means fortunate. Now, isn't it lovely to have in the church at Philippi 
someone who has the name fragrant about them, that, that they have tasted the grace of God, that there's a sweet smell arising before him from their life. Think of the other name, Sintiki means fortunate. Fortunate to be in Christ, chosen from before the foundation of the world. Discovered the truth that Christ was born for us, that Christ has lived for us, Christ has died for us. Christ has credit to our account, his own righteousness, and the righteousness of God is imputed to us by faith. Fortunate to have God as Father, Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit as indweller. Fortunate to be washed in the blood. Fortunate to have their names in the book of life. Isn't that the context? Look with me at verse 3. And there's the conjunction, the joining word, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Do you see the connection? See these two women? Their names are in the book of life. One means fragrant and the other means fortunate. And more than that, they're not only both singled out, and they're not only both saved women, but they're both servants of the Lord. Look at he says in verse 3, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement. I believe it includes these two women. The word labored means manual or hard work or strenuous tasks. Individuals putting their heart and soul into it. These ladies worked till they were tired. Not in a social way. Not dealing with humanitarian matters. But their concern was primarily the spread of the gospel. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Do you see that? There was many good godly women in the church and these two women were were part of that team, part of that group, and they were helping Paul in the gospel. I want to tell you something else as we think about these individuals that are announced. Both are sinners born again by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that you might adopt the, the idea, well, nobody's perfect in this life and you're right. It's true that none of us measure up to the divine standard that God has set of perfect sinlessness and perfect righteousness. It's true that we're not sinless. It's true that we're all sinners even though we're saved and servants of the Lord. But I want you to notice this, that Paul mentions the specific issue of disagreement And division that's led to disunity, that's disrupting the fellowship of the gospel in Philippi. Paul is wanting these two ladies to discover their sin. And he's telling them, your sin is putting in jeopardy the efforts to spread the gospel. So I want to tell you this morning, this is not insignificant. This is not a storm in a teacup as we would talk about. This, I believe, was a difficult, dangerous development in the life of the church. And I believe at the back of it, the devil was at work. You see, I believe the fingerprints of the devil were here. I believe the footprints of the devil 
and in every issue affecting the testimony, the witness, and the purity of the church can be seen. At times, of course, the devil uses false teachers and false doctrine. At times, the devil uses heresies to rock the church. At times, the devil uses immorality to weaken the testimony of the church. At times, the devil uses the pull and lure of worldliness. Worldliness creeps in, gets into the heart and mind of the believers. They think in the things of the world, the things of time and sense, rather than the things of God. The church is affected. At times, the devil sows the seeds of discord, disagreement among believers. If the devil can get two believers at each other's throats, believers don't speak to one another. Even they come to church for worship. They don't pray one for another. Of course, at times he gets the pastor and the elders to show favoritism in the church. So they don't deal with an issue. They're not prepared to point out sin. They want to brush it under the carpet. They want to pretend it's not there. And I want to tell you, that's totally wrong. And we pray that the free Presbyterian ministers and elders would never attempt to show favoritism so that an issue is brushed under the carpet and, and not dealt with. At times the devil's at the back of that. At times he can get the believer to focus on non-essentials. How I feel. What I think. So much so that individual petty issues, trivial matters, can be flagged up as disagreements and it can lead to division and discord and disharmony in the church spreads jealousy fear fills the heart and mind one toward another see let's not be ignorant of the devil's devices the devil can use these means in a thousand more to create havoc in the church all with this mindset to to wreck the church so that the whole congregation can fall apart. And I want to tell you, when churches fall apart, it can take generations to rebuild. Church history is littered with testimonies of church that have fallen apart because disagreement has led to division and brought disunity and so and so much discord that, that the church has fallen apart. Here's two women, and they're not of the same mind, and Paul's eyes, this is a dangerous development in the church. It affects the leadership. It affects the relationship of the church. It affects the partnership of the church. These two women were part of a team. Now remember, team, together everyone achieves more. Imagine a football team. And here's the captain. And he says to this fellow, right, I want you center forward. And I want you to play in the back position. And these two boys decide, you know what? I'm not listening to the captain. I play wherever I want. So he decides that he's going to play in a different position in the field. Well, of course, that's going to affect the team. That affects the decision of the captain. That affects the relationship. Do you see where I'm getting at? And it doesn't matter whether it's a football team or a track team. If a player plays out of position rather than the one chosen for him, then it has a big impact. So I've talked about the issue that is addressed. The individuals that are announced. Now here's the last thing. 
the instruction that is analyzed. Notice these words again, I beseech you, Odeus, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So, so here's the instruction. I beseech you, be of the same mind in the Lord. See, Paul knows that this division and disunity in the church left unchecked is infectious. It'll do damage. It affects the harmony of the church. If one member fails to be part of a team, their mind is taken up with other things, their mind is out of focus, then the harmony and unity of the church is affected. If the church breaks into factions and we cliques, remember four, we cliques in Corinth, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ. Well, they were not living in harmony one with another. They were not living out the gospel. Remember what Paul says, we're all one in Christ Jesus. You think of close friends, true believers, worshiping together, praying together, studying the Bible together, fellowshipping together, hollering together, maybe even standing side by side on important issues to do with the church together. And then there's a disagreement. Then there's a fallout. And it's not handled well. And what happens? The harmony is gone. Their relationships affected. The leadership's affected. The, the whole church is affected. I remember being in a faith mission prayer meeting many, many years ago. And uh, there was this man and he sang with great gusto, really well. And I thought, there's a man who has the joy of the Lord. And I asked him, Brother, you at the back there, yes, you, would you open in prayer for us? And there was silence. So, so I waited a wee minute and then said, Brother, yes, you. Would you open in prayer? Again, there was silence. So I began to worry. This man must be deaf. Hasn't the hearing aid switched up? Hey, brother! Yes, you! At the corner! Yes! Would you open in prayer? You know what he shouted up? I don't pray. I was flabbergasted. I thought, Lord, oh boy, if a, a hole could open up, I would have loved to have slipped into it. But anyway, we carried on the meeting. And he came to me afterwards and he said, you asked me to pray. And I have to tell you, honestly, I couldn't pray. Not in this meeting. He says, my brother's here. In fact, he's on the other side of that room there. And I haven't spoke to him for 30 years. There was a disagreement. It led to division. He told me it was over a will. And he said, we haven't spoken all that time. I did urge him to get right with the Lord. I urged him to repent of his own sin and go and reach out the hand of friendship to his brother and rediscover the power and the beauty of prayer. You see, there will be differences, disagreements. But what I'm saying this morning is never let the differences, the disagreements, lead to division. That will bring disunity and breed discord in the church. Remember, this was not theological. This was not a moral issue. This was a personal issue between these two women. It also affects the health of the church. It affects the ministry. I thought this was interesting. The leadership at Philippi, there's a plurality of elders, there's a pastor there. 
Why did they not deal with the problem themselves? Why send word through Epaphroditus and Timothy to Paul in prison? Why involve Paul, who's sitting languishing in prison, waiting sentence of death? This would have took time, would it have not? Remember, there's no text message. There's no phones. There's no emails. There's no Skype. It had to be a handwritten letter. It would have taken months to get from Philippi to Rome and back again. Epaphroditus fell sick. You see, I believed that all that time, this disagreement that was leading to division, that was affecting the unity of the church, was really sucking the joy out of the church. It was affecting its life and witness. There was a spurt of unhappiness. Many had lost heart. Many had lost zeal. Many had not the same energy and excitement for God and the gospel. I believe it well. It was grieving the Holy Spirit. It was marring personal friendship. It was affecting fellowship. It would also cause the enemies of the gospel to gloat. Even though it took time, the Apostle Paul addressed the problem. As I've said, he didn't ignore it. He dealt with it openly, honestly, and wisely. Now notice this as we finish. Think of the word, I beseech. Underline that. You see, Paul doesn't berate them. He doesn't command them. I don't think he's even scolding them. He is lovingly pleading with them. He's a pastor's heart. He's heartbroken. He probably knows these two women. I want you to notice that both individuals were at fault. He names the both. The two individuals, remember, are two regenerate sinners. And Paul knows that they're easily entreated. They can be exhorted. They've tasted the grace of God. They're both sisters in Christ. And both could be reasoned with. They could be corrected, instructed, and exhorted. And he appeals to them in the Lord. That's the basis of his appeal. Not for the sake of the church. Not for my sake. Not for your own sake. Not for the sake of others. Not for the, 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 the testimony of the gospel. No. Because you're in Christ. Your own personal relationship in the Lord. Doesn't the Bible say if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Sisters, don't continue this disagreement. Don't allow this to fester and, and breed more division than, uh, uh, of heart and mind and affect the, the unity of the church. Remember, you're in Christ. And you've got a new heart. You've got a new mind. Therefore, you're going to be easily entreated. Isn't it true that there's some and you can't tell anything to them? Some feel they're above correction. Some feel they're above criticism. They're not open to reason. And when they're rebuked, then they take it very badly. See, I think the question is, if they're in Christ and they've tasted of the grace of God and they've got a testimony that they're fortunate to be in Christ and they've got a testimony that they're fragrant in Christ, then they'll be easily entreated. I beseech. He deals with this issue in the framework of living out the gospel. He deals with this issue in light of the fact that they're saved. That they're servants of the Lord. And yes, they're sinners, but they're regenerated sinners. And in light of your relationship in him, I implore you, be of the same mind. What was the disagreement about? We don't know. 
It was probably something trivial, something personal, non-theological, non-moral. A personal disagreement over something. Maybe it was the color of paint in one of their homes. Maybe it was a particular style of dress that one of them was wearing. Maybe it was something that was happening in the witness team of the church. Going to one place and one wanted to go to another place. I don't know. But Paul's telling them, deal with it after the pattern of the word. You're in the Lord. Not after the pattern of the world. Doesn't the Bible say love covers a multitude of things? You see, as I finish this morning, we need to think in things in terms of the gospel. And therefore, in light of the gospel, stop disagreeing. Learn to disagree. Stop quarreling. Remember you're in Christ. Keep Christ to the forefront of your mind. If you're both in Christ... Then think of this, your position in Christ. In Christ, you have a saving union and relationship. Can we view each other in Christ this morning with all differences, haven't we? Don't let the differences become disagreements. We're in Christ. Think of your provision in Christ. What have we got in Christ? Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Who gives us grace and strength and help to live the Christian life? It's Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Think of the peace in Christ. It mentions here the mind. The Bible says that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in he. There's an appeal here to maintain the purity and peace of the church because you're in Christ. This has nothing to do with false ecumenical issues. This is not uniting truth and error. This is not fellowship with light and darkness. This has nothing to do with the one world church or the Irish council of churches. And we're not part of any. Thank God. We're we're a free Presbyterian church. But let's remember we're united in Christ. And remember that word united can become untied if you change the letter I. Just change the position of I. And once the eye self comes to the fore, then the unity of the church can become untied. And and on the basis of the gospel, let's deal with our disagreements in a way that honors the Lord. Let's beware that we have a good testimony before the world. Let's remember the unsaved world is watching. And they want to see the reality of the gospel. There's far too many, of course, question the reality of the gospel because of what they see in the lives of the saints. Remember this, that the Lord Jesus loves all his children equally. He loved the impetuous Peter. He loved the quiet John. He loved Thomas the doubter. He loved Martha, the busy worker who got upset because nobody helped her in the kitchen. He loved Mary who who chose to sat at his feet. He loved Simon Zelotes, who was from a political background. He loved James and John both. They're the sons of thunder. And he loved them all equally and freely and sacrificially. And he loved these two women as well. And he loves you and he loves me. Here's the instruction that is analyzed. Be of the same mind in the Lord. Because not to be affects the harmony and health of the church. And the only way to safeguard that is to remember our position 
our provision and the peace that we have in Christ. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to us.